welcome back, podcast listeners. My name is Pastor Brandon, and I'm joined today by Pastor Megan and hey. Pastor Steve. <laughs> We're so glad you're here with us on the Carry On Cast, where your Easter pastors get together and talk about the Bible reading that we'll have in worship the following weekend. Um, but first, uh, we we are in our worship series, I Am, and we're in this, this wonderful season of revealing. So what is being revealed about Jesus? Um, what, you know, when we shine a light on these stories, you can see things that maybe we haven't seen before, but also what's been being revealed about us as Jesus followers, as we shine the light on our own lives, my goodness, I'd rather just shine the light on Jesus and, uh, and maybe just keep my own problems hidden in the dark, never to be thought of again. Um, but here, alas, here we are revealing some, some wonderful things about Jesus. So pastor Steve, though, you, I think you preached, last weekend about the woman at the well. Yes, we did. And then, and then, you know, no big deal. Jesus does another sign in between last weekend and this weekend. So can you just catch us up to chapter five? Sure. If you'll remember the scene of Jesus in Samaria was a stopover as he was traveling from Jerusalem to Galilee, because it's getting a little hot in Jerusalem. Leaders are getting a little angry. So he goes back to Galilee. And so after he has this amazing encounter with the woman in Samaria and the whole village is uh, sees that Jesus is the savior of the world, it says two days later, he goes on to Galilee and the Galileans welcomed him because they had seen him in Jerusalem at the festival. Now, every time you see the word see or seen in John circle it, along with other things like light and darkness and all, it's just it's just one of the themes to see, right? So then he goes to Cana, which is where the wedding happened, where he turned the water into wine. So Cana is pretty significant. And there's a royal official from Capernaum at Cana. And the royal official says, please heal my son. And Jesus like, you, all you want is signs and wonders. He's like, no, really, please, you don't just come. And Jesus says, go, your son will live. And so the the royal official trusts that Jesus will do what Jesus says. So he goes, he says, I don't even need Jesus because his word is his word is powerful. So he goes. And as he's going, his servants meet him on the road and says, your son is alive. Woo. And the, the, the uh, royal official says, what time did that happen? It's exactly the time Jesus said, go, your son will live. Boom. The whole household trusted Jesus. And the author of John says, this was the second sign Jesus did after coming from Judea to Galilee. And then we come to our story today. Whoa. So the, we, we have a, just a wonderful story of the, the word of Jesus accomplishes what he says. Um, so the we kind of was the word. Yes. And, and here we are in this uh, leading up to this next story, knowing from this previous story that, well, we can believe what Jesus says um, because what he says happens. Um, so that brings us to chapter five. Pastor Megan, would you delight us by reading um, chapter five? We're just going to take part of it. So the, the whole verse is one, it's one through 18, but let's start with just one through a portion of verse nine. Sure. And, and so to remember when the first verse of this passage begins with, 
after this, there was the after this is the story that Pastor Steve just told us, the story of of Jesus healing this this, uh, official's son, right? So I think it's always um, just, you know, sidebar, it's always worth it whenever you're reading a passage, if it says something like, and then he said, or after that they went, or they left that place, you know, whenever it's a, a passage pointing back, it's really easy to use that as a throwaway line and be like, oh, that doesn't matter. Um, and that's okay. If you're in a hurry, no worries. <laughs> but if you've got a second, just look back, just look at the previous chapter at the previous handful of verses to see, oh, after what they left, what place, who was talking to who? I think it's always worth it to have just that, just that second of context, uh, just so you know what's connected to what, um, especially in the gospels where it's like narrative upon narrative upon narrative. Huh. And with that, I'm going to actually do what pastor Brandon asked me to do, which is read the passage. So John five, starting with the first verse after this, <laughs> there was a festival of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called in Hebrew Beth Beth Setha. Uh, Side note, if you don't know how to pronounce something, friends, just be confident and consistent in your mispronunciation. Uh, So anyway, uh, they were by this pool, right? And it has five porticos. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, stand up, take your mat and walk at once. The man was made well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. Holy moly. So um, there, there's a lot happening in this story right here. Again, Jesus says the words and, they're, and they happen. Stand up, take your mat and walk. But even before that, uh, we have Jesus again in Jerusalem. And so that's another hint, as Pastor Steve has mentioned several podcasts ago, when Jesus is in Jerusalem, that's the center of kind of the religious the, the Judaism, the systems and the leaders. And, and we're kind of guaranteed in John's gospel, whenever Jesus goes to Jerusalem, there's going to be conflict. Um, and so, but we're not there yet. We're not at the conflict portion. Um, so pastor Steve, what's your, at first glance, what kind of grabs your attention and is worth noting about these, this first portion of chapter five? Yeah. The, what really jumps out at me is in verse seven, um, this sick man, he answers, I have no one. Mm. And I think for John, you know, one of the, one of the many key theological themes of John is that the, the kingdom of heaven is not a place you go when you die. It's, it's relationships. It's relationship with God. It's relationship with each other, with the, with the world. Uh, I mean, the created order. And like hell is when you have no one and that that's the problem with this guy is he doesn't have any i mean he can't help himself and he has no one to help him like that's the most pitiful story i can imagine and so my heart breaks for him and and jesus heart breaks for him 
Yeah, and there is, it's interesting because omitted from this text, um, you know, my footnotes in my study Bible say other ancient authorities add, um, you know, one of the reasons all the invalids, it says, are waiting by this pool at Bethsaida is they're waiting for the stirring of the water for an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well from whatever disease that person had. So not having somebody to help him into the pool means he's not able to be the first one in. Hence, 38 years of, of being not made whole or well. Um, Pastor Megan, what grabs your attention? Um, I think we can make too much of Jesus' question, do you want to be made well? Um, I think it's really easy for us to uh, to moralize this desire. Like if you wanted it bad enough, you mm. could do it. Like I think I think we hear Jesus wrong, right? Because we're we're so ready to say, oh, this guy can pull himself up by his bootstraps, right? This guy, he just needed someone to believe in him and he can do it himself. Um, that is zero percent what's going on here, right? Because the man is very clear. The desire has been there for 38 years to get well, right? Like he wants to get well. He, he can't, as, as Pastor Steve pointed out, like he he's physically unable. He does not have the resources. He does not have the relationships. That's the whole point of the story is the like base level desperation. There is nothing. This guy's got nothing, right? So when Jesus saying, do you want to be made well? Like I don't hear it as a do you want to be made well? I hear it as this, this being very clear about the exchange that is about to take place between Jesus and this man. And you notice too, that even the man can't quite hear it the right way, right? Jesus mm -hmm. is like, Hey, I'm about to offer you wholeness. You ready for this? And the guy goes, no, I can't get wholeness because I can't get into the pool because nobody is here to help me. And, you know, he can't, he's so caught up in the system of it that he can't even hear Jesus being like, no, seriously, get ready. And so I don't know what Jesus had planned to do, but what he goes with is to just get up, like just, <laughs> just walk, like just grab your mat and get out of here. Don't, don't wait for anyone anymore. Um, so I, I mean, I think it's just, we, we always have to be careful. I think to, to check our biases and the lenses through which we read a thing, because it's really easy to read this, the moral of this story. Oh, the man wanted to be made well, and therefore Jesus gave it to him. All you got to do is want something bad enough. No, friends, let me tell you. Um, I mean, I'm sure you've got experience in this too, but I can tell you from personal experience, there's things I've wanted pretty bad. Uh, and that was not enough to make mm -hmm. it happen. So um, just, just, check yourself but before, as the kids say, you wreck yourself in hearing why Jesus is asking that question. Kids say that, right? That's what kids yeah, say. I, yeah. I mean, or before you wreck others too, right? Oh, um, yeah. I think that's probably more appropriate to this text. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, uh, and before we move on with the rest of the story, um, you know, I, that 38 years is a very specific number. Um, so that's one thing that caught my attention. He's, he's been by this pool for 38 years. And that, I think, in the first century, that would be practically a lifetime. Um, 38 years is, is a really long time. Yeah. Um, and, and was a really long time then and is, is still considered young today, but, um, you thank know, you for, for saying you so pastor. Brandon. But yeah. For all you 38 year olds out there, you still <laughs> got it. um, but we better keep going. Pastor Megan, uh, tell, bring us the, 
conflict. Yeah, here comes. So that was the good fun stuff, right? Woo healing. Let's get into the messiness. So we're picking up halfway through verse nine. Now, that day was a Sabbath. Uh So the Jews, I know. Yeah. Caution. Red lights flashing. Now that day was a Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been cured, it is the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your mat. But he answered them, the man who made me well said to me, take up your mat and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take it up and walk? Now, the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had disappeared in the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore, the Jews started persecuting Jesus because he was doing such things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is still working and I also am working. For this reason, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but was also calling God his own father, thereby making himself equal to God. Mm. So like Jesus just keeps stepping in it, like And that's blasphemy, right? Yeah, heck yeah, that's blasphemy. That is a big first commandment. No, no. There yeah. is one God and it is God and it is not you. Unless, sub point, you are indeed Jesus. <laughs> yeah, there's, that's, that's a footnote, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Just a little, little, little asterisk on that one. Well, and I'd, I'd love to um, just point out, you know, aside from the Sabbath, which I love, um, good times, but um you know, at uh, Pastor Megan's point about, you know, the man wanting to pull him up about his own, by his own bootstraps and ask for help and all that, all that stuff. But here we have, um, this man didn't know who Jesus was. Um, they asked him who, who told him he could carry his mat. And he said, oh, that, that one guy over there. <laughs> who, who I can't even find anymore. Yeah, I can't even he point finds to him. him you know, yeah. So later, later. Yeah. Yeah. He finds him in the temple eventually, but you know, there is this interesting kind of, it, it wasn't the man's faith that healed him in this story. It was just all out Jesus. And so, um, you know, it's, it's not like he, he believed himself into being better. Um, this, this healing came as, as a gift. Uh, and I don't know if I could say at random or if that healing comes to all of us as a gift through Jesus. But uh, Pastor Steve, we're going to kick it back over to you because there's a lot going on here. I know conflict is your love language. Um, oh, so man. tell us. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, For those of you who don't know me who are listening, like that is the absolute opposite of truth. I am such a conflict avoider. It's so bad. Um, yeah. So I'm just let that slide. <laughs> But there's two things that jump out at me and there's so much that jumps out. I have to control myself. So I'm going to just pick uh, two little things. First of all, this story is not about healing. Mm. This story is about Jesus picking a fight with the leaders over Sabbath law. And so when Jesus says to the man, pick up your mat and walk, Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. Like this dude did not have to pick up his mat. If he had said, just go, we wouldn't have a conflict, right? But the guy, so I just picture this guy walking around carrying his mat, right? Because the dude, because the guy said, carry your mat. Maybe he forgot. I don't know. But he is blatantly breaking the law 
by walking around Jerusalem and especially going into the temple carrying his mat. And the, the leaders are like, what are you doing? It's the Sabbath. You can't do that. And the guy's like, well, the guy who healed me said do so it. The guy you over know, here like, said I should. Just, I don't know. So, so something really jumped out at me this week as I was studying this text. When to Pastor Megan's point earlier about the you know the man really wants to have it, you know, and and how does faith and healing come? In verse fourteen, when Jesus says, "Do not sin anymore, so that nothing worse may happen to you," that is often translated and interpreted meaning that the man was originally sick because he had sinned and that there's this correlation between his sin and his sickness. And so Jesus is like, Hey, don't do that again. Cause you don't want to get sick again. But I don't think that's what Jesus means. I think Jesus is like, okay, we've made our point, put your mat down so that you, you really don't need to be in trouble. I, you know, thank you. See, see you have been made well. Yeah. I've already picked the fight. Yeah. This doesn't need to be your problem too. <laughs> Just yeah. put your mat down and go about your business so that they don't keep bothering you. I actually think that's what Jesus means in this verse. Cause he said, you were my object lesson. Now let me continue my fight with the religious leaders. So mm. I, I think that's just an interesting clarification. I think that's, I think that's a good point, Pastor Steve, because I, I always, I have a, I have a real allergy to, um, you must have done something wrong. And that's why this bad thing is happening to you. Uh, especially when it's not like a direct correlation sort of situation, like, you know, you hit your brother and therefore you're on timeout. Like that makes sense. This is why that you did something wrong. That's why this bad thing is happening. But when it's Jesus generally does work, I mean, throughout the gospels in, in as a whole, not specifically in John say really clearly, like you're not hurting because someone did something wrong necessarily. You're hurting because you're hurting and, and God can do something about that. So yeah, it makes a whole lot more sense to hear this as a, um, so you've been made well, you know, you carried your mat, you've been made well. Um, don't, you were sinning when you did that. You didn't know that it's not your fault. It's my fault. Let me make it my fault. Go on your way because I'm the one they want to make an example of not you. Like, don't let something worse happen to you. Whole lot more sense. <laughs> well, and I think there are a lot of challenging things too, to be thinking about in this story. And so I, I'm, stuck with this, this image of, you know, this past week we had the, the woman at the well, who's um, asks, you know, Jesus tells her about living water and she's standing there by a well, but it's actually not the well, the living water is Jesus. And then this week we have a man's um, well, I don't know if it's by choice, if he can't really move, you know, he's, he's um, there by this pool looking for healing and looking for new life. And then along comes Jesus. So I think, you know, for me, I'm kind of playing around with this idea of where, where do we go and where do we look for this gift of life? And, you know, the short answer is Jesus. Um, but then also, I think it's, it's really, uh, and then there's the challenge of the law, right? Following the law. So, and I, I'm a big fan of order and I'm a, I'm a big supporter of, um, you know, following the 10 commandments and then we see in this story, you know, I'm left with who, who are the, who are we supposed to follow Jesus or all the rules? And here comes Jesus breaking those rules, you know, to pick a fight and also say, Hey, these, these rules, um, in other stories, these rules are meant, um, to serve you and to serve your neighbor. 
And so if following these is going to keep people sick, then maybe we got to talk about that um, because God desires life and abundant life here and now. Um, but then um, I'm taking up the, all of our time, but we'll give uh, Pastor Megan the last word um, here. But I do love uh, get ready because uh, in worship, uh, we're going to come back to this, uh, this comment. He says, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. And the reality is, as Christ followers, we, we are those people. Um, we are those people who look around and say, oh my gosh, this person has no community. This, this person is cut off from whatever that community looks like. How can we uh, walk alongside them in this time? So it's, that, that breaks my heart to ha- hear somebody say, I have no one. When there's a church building full of people, right? Because we are that someone. Pastor Megan, you got to wrap us up here because I'll just keep going. Uh, I mean, I, I want to just point to a couple ways that that Jesus is continuing to reveal himself, right? In this season of Epiphany, one is this this care for the physical self, right? Like Jesus is is demonstrating a few times here that that he and by extension God cares for our physical selves. These bodies mean something, right? Mm-hmm. And Jesus continues to demonstrate care and love for us as, as physical humans. Second, um, Jesus is, is, you know, pressing what has been accepted about the ways to interpret these commandments. Kind of like you were talking about pastor Brandon, that he's saying, if the Sabbath was meant to give life, but the way we've started to interpret the law is that life cannot happen on the Sabbath. Well, then we got to, we got to challenge that we got to press up against that. And then finally we have Jesus, you know, calling himself the son of God. And and so these, I think are three just really important things as we continue to think about who Jesus is and how is Jesus being made known in the gospel of John for sure, but also in our own lives, right? Like how are we seeing God in Jesus caring for our physical selves? How are we seeing God in Jesus helping us reconsider God's laws, not as what, you know, we're most comfortable with or what gives us power, but as what gives life. And how do we continue to make that, you know, originally heretical claim that, that Jesus is indeed the son of God, that God cares enough about us and this world and our human physical messed up selves to come as one of us, to come as a human into our midst. It's just this continuing build in the gospel of John as we continue to hear more about who Jesus is and what Jesus is about. And um, then by extension for what it means for us today. Well, that sounds good to me. If you're Let's looking keep for at it, sign, there you have it. <laughs> so thank you so much, uh, Easter people, for tuning in to our podcast here at Easter Lutheran Church, where our mission is to grow in faith and carry on the work of Jesus Christ. Ooh.